to another episode of True North Nerd. This week, uh, we're going to review each other's comic choices from last week. We're also going to review Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. And uh, we're also going to talk about the news a little bit. But first, we have Ryan. Hi. That's me. And we have Jen. Hello. And we have Kevin. That's me. And we have Petra. Ryan? Yes, Brent? What's in the news this week? What's in the news? Okay, sad news. Obi-Wan Kenobi has been delayed. No. By two days. Oh. So instead of Wednesday, it'll be out on the Friday. I don't know. I don't know if I can tolerate that. Well, they're going to give you two episodes, though, Jen. Okay. That makes it better. That makes it better? Okay. So, uh, yeah. So it's being delayed by two days, but they're giving us the first two episodes now. Uh, and for you know, if you really want to dig into it, there looks like there's a couple different reasons why they may have done this. Uh, one being it is a Star Wars Celebration weekend, so they will probably have a panel premiering the two episodes at the show on the Friday uh, for fans. Uh, and also, it is the first uh, part one of season four of Stranger Things is released that weekend. So, you know, com- com- combating that. I don't know how much of a, you know, it's really going to com- combat it because, you know, people are still going to binge Stranger Things that weekend for you know, probably like three or four episodes or five episodes of Stranger Things against two episodes of Star Wars. I can still watch all of them in that, in one weekend. <laughs> yeah. even, with, even though I work on Saturdays now, I can still fit it in. Mm-hmm. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I don't... I don't see why... Companies would go head to head in streaming. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like on network TV, it kind of makes sense because you know you won't see the episode again until reruns. But even that's not so much true anymore with like the streaming of like the channels themselves, like well, NBC on and, demands and PVRs. Yep. And all yeah, yeah, because it used so. to be the battle of you know the networks, whoever got yep. the biggest opening numbers. But that was before you could just watch things when you wanted to. Bingo. Streaming also means we won't get in battle of the network stars. Oh, actually, oh, we, they still do stuff like that. We could get Netflix versus Amazon versus Disney Plus versus HBO Max. Theoretically, all, all on, I all think on Apple Plus. All on Apple Plus. I think <laughs> Disney would probably come out on top because out of like their main shows, probably the most in shape people in those. They shows. have the most superheroes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, HBO Max is a close second. With Amazon's got a couple. I was just saying, Amazon's got some beefy. They've got all those it, boys. It, it really also depends and, on which of them gets Reacher. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. 
because not only is he in shape and athletic, he is also, if you've ever watched his Hot Ones episode, incredibly competitive. (laughs) (laughs) So... All right, next. Oh, okay. Well, we'll stick with some Star Wars news. Um, so there's you know those Star Wars novels, and they do the novels that take place like between movies and uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. So the the up the next uh, Star Wars novel is uh, centering around Luke and Lando's search for Exegol. So the, the the search that was alluded to that like we talked we learned about during uh, Last Skywalker. Yep. So this will be that story, uh, and I guess during this story. There's a part, or a point when Luke is med- force meditating or something and ends up being force ghost, like teleported, spiritually teleported to Exegol. And he ends up fighting with some, what appear to be like Sith spirits. And he's joined by his father. Oh, neat. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. that excerpts that you can read it on read it like StarWars.com yeah. right now, like yes. legit legal. Yeah, so apparently the ghost of Anakin's force ghost shows up to, to save his son and scare off these Sith uh, uh, spirits that are apparently afraid of him when he shows up. Uh, and it's just going, it's elaborating and showing more of these, uh, you know, what you know the powers that force ghosts have. Like we saw that that they can interact with the real world because Yoda, you know, clubbed Luke in the head with a stick. I just and- figured that was because Yoda was badass. <laughs> well, exactly though, but he is a badass force ghost. So, yeah. you know, he clo- he called down lightning, and then even back way back when, when Obi Wan Kenobi said, you know, was like, "Strike me down, and I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine." So, you know, are the force users even more powerful as a force ghost? So, what's the Emperor doing during that book? Because that's where his base of operations is, at least by that third film, right? Yeah. So is he like? Sees the X-wing coming in, like, oh shit! Everybody hide! Everybody, uh, you in the cave! You guys dig a hole! Just dig a big hole! He doesn't fly there. Remember, he never, he never found the he map. Force ghosts there. his way. He there. force ghosts his way. He just, t- he like, he's uh, he's a force ghost. He like shows well, up there. Well, in that chapter, we no, don't but, know if he goes there physically at some point. Well, we do because he never found the knife to find the thing. Remember remember this whole movie we saw called Lost Last oh, Skywalker? Yeah. I was trying to forget that. Like, <laughs> I didn't mind The Last Skywalker. Uh, it, it's not my favorite out of those three movies. But that knife point is still one of the dumbest things in that Star was, Wars. That was where she had to use the knife to look to see. To line it up with the broken piece of the Death Star. To which know. happened to fall in exactly the right place. Well, the to... knife was probably made after the fact. Yeah, but yeah. still. Which, the, the worst part is, is we've now met that character who had that knife, and he's pretty cool and badass. Have we? He's been in Darth Vader for, like, the last, like... Oh, is that that bounty hunter? Yeah, that that, that guy it? who becomes his, like, assassin servant guy. Yeah, who's also part of the um, Crimson... Uh... Dawn. Yes, thank you. That guy? Yeah, With that's him. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. You learn something new every day, kids. Um, so, yeah. So, it looks interesting. There you go. We'll look, you can learn about Force Ghosts in the next Star Wars book. That actually makes me kind of want to read it. Uh, yeah, oh, we got, a, we got a premiere date for the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. It will be coming to HBO and Crave August 21st. We don't get either of those, so... Maybe. You can come to my house and watch it. Yeah. Uh, we got a release date for the new Top Gun movie. And a new trailer. 
uh, which I enjoyed because I can't wait to watch this movie on the big screen. Uh, it is coming to us on May 27th. I don't really have any interest in that movie because, as I've explained before, I'm not a Top Gun guy. But the fighter pilot scenes, oh, like that that's something like if screen. I'm going to go see it, I want to see that on IMAX because it just <laughs> looks beautiful how they shot it. Mm. And apparently, like that's really Tom Cruise taking off of an aircraft carrier. Of course it is. Now that there was a legit pilot behind him that they've airbrushed out or yeah, photoshopped out or whatever they, you want to call him it. In the but, front seat and the guy's actually flying it from the back seat or whatever. Well, or at least knowing Tom Cruise. At least kind of keeping an eye on things, because Tom Cruise, like, you know, Scientology and wackiness aside from him, when he decides he's going to do something, he learns how to do it and does it. He learned how to fly a helicopter for one of the Mission Impossible movies. (laughs) I assume that, like, the highest part of Scientology is that you learn that you're immortal, and that's where Tom Cruise is, and he's like, sweet, I'm immortal. So he just does crazy shit. (laughs) You know, the aliens make you immortal or something. Yeah. And, and it's that, so. <laughs> it, he's one of the few guys who can get away with that, though. Like what, you, being immortal. Well, no, like being allowed to do crazy shit like that, because well, yeah. the, he just pays for it himself because they, they, they won't insure him for those things. No. So he just like, well, fine, he gets and, the insurance himself. For and he's more. also he's usually a producer on yeah. his films. That's how he yeah. sort of sidesteps it, because the, the problem is, is as they found out with that Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> So he breaks his leg. That puts like production on hold for like a month, yeah, two months. Yeah, but that doesn't help the other guys who work on the film and mm-hmm. have to take a month off too. I'm not talking like like Henry Cavell or any of those guys. I'm talking about like you the know Bob, the grips the and the camera guy yeah. and no, stuff I'm saying, like that. They, they so. don't lose time because Tom Cruise just keeps going. Which he did. Yeah. He landed, broke his foot, and kept running. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like every time you see it because it pops up a lot on the internet. Oh, how? Well, the more he runs in a movie, the better the movie does at the box office. So. <laughs> so they've done the math. So. Mm. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, Flash star Ezra Miller has been in trouble. Uh-oh, what did Mr. Miller do? He threatened to kill a couple and That's stole bad. their belongings. Why would he do that? Well, he's been on holidays. I think it was in Hawaii. Hawaii. Well, that makes sense. Yep. So a restraining order has been uh, taken out against him. Ah, and then he got into an altercation two days later with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's mm, on a roll right now. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> he's going to run himself right out of that flash roll. And then, so my last my last little bit of news is some, some sadder news. Uh, Bruce Willis has officially retired from acting. Yeah. Um, he has been diagnosed with aphasia. Which uh, is a de- degenerative brain disease? Not disorder, necessarily or? degenerative. Okay, sorry. No, it's it, well, it's, some of them are, some of them aren't. So basically, it's from the reading that I did, and there a couple of people popped up online like, "Hey, I have this too," but it um, affects how you use and read language and like and uh comprehend language so it can cause like issues with like you you saying things and reading things and things like that the problem is is it's a condition that is could be caused by like it's something that can be caused by a brain tumor it can be caused by a stroke like there's multiple different ways that this can come about and so they're they have to figure out unless they already have figure out what's causing it in order to be able to figure out what the treatment sort of 
schedule is for it. And it, it sort of what it was what was weird is Ryan and I were talking what two weeks ago something like that and you had heard rumors about how like there's there some something of his going on because yeah his co-stars in like a couple of those uh those straight like to straight DVD to video DVD movies yeah. have been saying that like he has to use an earpiece and he's feeding him his line. lines huh. and stuff like that and like that and that now makes those stories make a lot more sense yeah. other than just possible lazy acting right. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think anybody would, would accuse him of lazy acting. Well, not well I mean, you see those straight to movie, the video movies he's been doing. It's he's shooting in like a two to three day schedule, and then he's gone. Well. And he's doing he's doing his best Bruce Willis impression in them. <laughs> not not it's no. And with but, that said, because there were all these movies that he was, you know, people were saying, oh, he wasn't doing that great of acting in. Uh, the Razzies had actually this year made their own. Um, best slash you know worst Bruce Willis in a Bruce role played by Bruce Willis because he had so many movies that came out this past year. Yeah, like he, it's like five or six of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So, really? but after this announcement, they have now they've rescinded. They've, they've reversed course and and, uh, and rescinded their Bruce Willis category. The Razzies, the classiest of award shows. Yeah, we're not talking yeah. about that other one because everybody else has talked about it, and we're all tired of hearing about it. Especially by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Well, there was some good news that came out of there that was. award show, too. Yep. Dune won six Academy Awards, so... Mm. That means we'll get a sequel. Yay! Yeah, I loved that movie, too, so I'm looking forward to what Mr. Villeneuve does with part two. I liked watching it here at home because I could sit next to Brett and go, what's going on? <laughs> Who is that? What, what does that mean? Why does that guy have such a stupid name? <laughs> I I watched a uh, video from uh, one of my favorite movie reviewers on YouTube, Movie Bob, about uh, how Disney kind of got owned in the Oscars because they were one of the ones that was championing that uh, that uh, internet voting for like fan favorite picks or whatever it was like. Oh yeah, uh, because they were hoping, because Spider Man obviously didn't get nominated for any acting right. awards or anything, which. Like I love that movie, but come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but at the very least, special effects. Maybe. Well, it got nominated for those categories, yeah. but so they were championing it for these internet voting categories, not knowing that the cult of Snyder was going to destroy yeah. any chance of that happening. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I've read about that ahead of time, like before it even happened. That they they had, they had been trying to get the Snyder cut on the list. But they had told them, you know, they had said, no, that doesn't count because it was a recut of a movie. Like, there needs to be a movie that was that originally came out during this time frame. So that's why all their votes switched from the Snyder Cut to Army, Army of the, the Dead. Dead. You can't trust the internet. Well, he even says it's like, you know that somewhere in, like, whoever does that stuff for the Oscars sets it up was going, like... This is a bad idea. Have you ever heard of Bodie McBoatface? Yeah. Like, just, like, trying to explain it. That, no, no, it'll be good. And, like, uh... I saw another internet boat thing that was, like, the best picture of a dog. And so they just posted the first place and the second place. And I know it's a visual joke, but the first place winner, and they even wrote on the caption was, this was based on likes, was basically a U, like an upside-down U, uh, with feet and like a smiley face in the middle and ears, and then the second place winner looked like somebody sketched a photograph like with a pencil, <laughs> like it was gorgeous. 
but you know the weird. I was expecting the first picture of the one at one to be a cat. Yeah, this kind of thing predates the internet, though. Too. Oh, yeah. mm. I'm going to tell a Disney story. So back in the day when Epcot first opened, they had <laughs> um, they had this thing called the a person of the century and it was a poll and people could go in to this booth and vote for who they thought the person of the century should be oh dear. and they were going to take votes until the end of the 20th century and then uh, reveal who the person of the century was and being at it was at Walt Disney World they assumed it would be somebody like Walt Disney or maybe somebody like John F. Kennedy or something like that well no oh, can somebody, I guess can I guess can yes. I guess was it Hitler no yeah. somebody who worked at Epcot Got all his friends to vote for him every day. <laughs> so it was just nice. some no-name cast member from Walt Disney World who was leading the poll because he worked there and could walk by the kiosk every day and vote for himself and have all his friends. Isn't that something you'd get fired for at Disney parks, though? Like, I that really that seems so like... Much. Because they are so strict on certain things with their <laughs> cast members that that really seems like something that, like... You'd get in shit for. It would even better if they well, had like a big production and they were like, "And can I have the envelope, please?" And the winner of the most influential person of the century is Steve. <laughs> Steve from accounting. <laughs> Steve from maintenance. Well, you know, if 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 it wasn't him that was voting, it could be his friends. Like, yeah. and you know, I would put my name on that list. Why not? Yeah, you, had the but you can to. add any name to the list. And so, Bodie McBoatface. Well, that's it's also why, like, it's why they've changed the the things on IMDb. Because, as a personal story, for a brief, like, less than a couple hours, I was Anakin Skywalker in one of the prequels. Because I can't remember which one of my friends submitted me, and this is like this is before. I think episode one had been announced, but before any of the casting or anything had been done, and there was like. Nobody knew what the movie was going to be other than George Lucas at that point. And in early days of the internet. And IMDB was like Wikipedia. You would submit stuff in it. And my name was up there for like a brief second. Fun fact, I have two IMDB profiles in my name. And I can't figure out how to merge them. Because I've done two little filming things. And and whoever whoever created them created pages for me for both of them separately and I can't figure out how to merge them into one, one mm. profile page. Anyway. So that it for the news? That's it for the news. Anybody got anything? News. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a slow week, which is kind of good in some I, ways. I saw the trailer for what I assume is a new Minions movie because it was on Instagram. Oh, The Rise of Gru? Yeah. It looks so cute. It's, it's like a young I like baby, baby Gru. Gru with Minions in this So like a sequel to Minions then. Baby Gru. Yeah, I didn't see the. Did I see the? Minions? We stopped halfway through because it was, quite frankly, not made for our age group. Yeah, but this one, well, this one probably isn't. Actually, you could probably debate that none of them are. But this one has Baby Gru, and it's cute looking. Have you heard that they're building a, a new Minions ride at Universal Studios? That doesn't surprise me. That's like so that's the merchandise seller out of that. Closed the movie. Shrek. Uh, the Shrek 4D attraction, okay. finally. And uh, there are now minions all over the building. Mm-hmm. The rumor is that it is a shooting... I won't say dark ride, but it is... Because instead of a ride vehicle, apparently it's going to have a moving walkway. Like when you go to the aquarium and you, you just stand, oh. there. stand there and you go through the shark tank. It's going to be like that. But... Uh, 
But yeah, shooting at minion things, and it's See, going to be good. It's set at Villain Con, which in the in the oh yeah, because that's in like the second, the second movie, movie or something. And yeah, in that movie Villain Con happens in Orlando. There you go. Well, See, I love I'm it. sure that was pre-planned with oh. the idea of like if we do it here, we. We now have fodder for a theme park thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I really like the Despicable Me movies. The minions aren't my favorite part of it. No. <laughs> but So since we're on theme parks, I did see today that uh, Moon Knight has made an appearance at Avengers Campus. Oh. oh nice. There's a video of him up on the building where the uh, Quinjet is, walking around. Cool. So so not interacting yet. Not down on just, the ground with people. But just showing but, oh, up, up On top of the building is where they do all the sort of show things. Like yeah. Where I saw Black Widow and Black Panther beat up on Taskmaster. <laughs> uh, the second Avengers Campus is opening this summer in Paris. Nice. <gasps> Let's go. Mm-hmm. I just want to go to Paris. <laughs> I really don't care about going to the Avengers Campus in Paris. I just want to go to Paris. Speaking of Moon Knight. So many museums. <laughs> Speaking of Moon Knight, this episode coincides with the release of episode one of Moon Knight. Mm There will be episode two a couple days after this this episode of the podcast comes out. Uh, I'm going to go last because I think I was the most excited for the show out of everybody. Uh, Who wants to go first? Warning, this part is going to be spoilery. Mm -hmm. Yes. We'll work our way around here because we'll go with the people that have the least experience with Moon Knight to to the person with the most experience with Moon Knight. Alrighty. Um, So, having only ever seen Moon Knight in cartoons when he's been kind of Deadpool-ish. No, because well, the whole kind of just be crazy talking to himself, right? Like, right. In the Spider-Man cartoon, yeah. I did or not... the memes from the internet where he's wants Dracula to pay him back the money he owes him. I've never seen those. Oh, you haven't seen those? No. Oh, they're all over the place. Um. So yeah. So I had nothing. I had no expectations going into this other than oh, it's a Marvel show. I'm gonna like this hopefully, which I did. I enjoyed it. It was the first episode. It's a good intro. Uh, we get to see some some wackiness. Uh, I like the interactions with the voice in his head. Referring to him as the idiot. That was the best. Yes. Voiced by F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. Sure. You ever seen Amadeus? Nope. Uh, last action hero? Yes. Maybe. He's the partner of... He's Arnold Schwarzenegger's like old partner who ends up being a bad guy. Oh, okay. Who killed Mozart, because that's the joke from Amadeus. Um. <laughs> and later on, it was like, I heard you killed Mozart. Mo who? Mozart. <laughs> It's one of those movies I really should go back and rewatch because yeah. I didn't like it when it came out. But what, Amadeus? Yes, we should watch. That. No, Amadeus is awesome. Amadeus is still good. I like that movie. Yeah, but uh, anyways, anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's enjoyable. Um, I like his his fish. Aw, Gus, the, the little goldfish, and then um, just the mystery, the you know, the scene how what he puts himself through every night to try to make sure he stays in bed. While he sleeps instead of wandering around. And then it'll be interesting going forward to see how the other personality gets around the things that he puts in place. Because there's no signs that he has left the bed when clearly he has left the bed. (laughs) What do you think, Jen? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, again, coming from the same kind of place where it's like, I know about Moon Knight because Brent likes Moon Knight. (laughs) So um, I hadn't read anything about him. Well, I've read... I hadn't read anything like in detail, like the odd clip here and there, but that's about it. Anyway, so I basically I knew the gist of him, like the Egyptian god side of things. 
So I really liked it. I thought that um, Ethan Hawke's character was he did a really good job oh, of being creepy oh. with the glasses. Oh, yeah. I just oh. comfortable. Ah. No, Brent and I were wincing that whole time. I on the way home here from work, I uh, I did my best impersonation of that. I just had tucked, a rock in your shoe. No, I tucked all my shoelaces in my boot instead of tying my shoes. Yeah. So they were like they were all like underneath my feet and I could feel them every time I took a step. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> Probably not as uncomfortable. No, it's broken glass. Broken glass. But, well, no, but broken glass. Anyway, oh. uh, they didn't. They didn't do that direct of it. They did pick as many no. songs as they possibly could that had dreaming or or wake up or waking in it. Yeah. Wake me up before you go go yeah. during that car chase. Yeah, it was hilarious. I was telling Jen. I think out of all the Marvel like television properties. That episode probably has more music in it than like almost anything else they've done. Like they've shelled out noticeable money. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, I like right. I'm enjoying the mystery of it. I want to know how this poor guy ended up with two extra people in his brain. Uh, why he has two extra people in his brain, and what's going to happen to him? Because he's the first character you're introduced to, so you're more sympathetic to him as opposed to Mark. Um, and you want to know, like, is he going to fade away? Is this Mark character going to take over? You know, what's going to happen to him? So I'm kind of I, like, I really want to know that part. Um, and then, of course, me being me, I had to do a research on the on the Egyptian gods that they were talking about. I didn't look up. They didn't mention the Moon Knight god yet. So Khonshu. But Amit is actually the name of the of the god in, in uh, like the, the in Egyptian mythology of the little alligator demon thing that eats the hearts of uh, the people who I think well it's not I don't is she an think Egyptian god of justice sort of so in the weighing of the heart ceremony in Egyptian mythology and Egyptian mythology is not my uh, Greek is your Greek is Greek, Greek and but it's sort of thing. adjacent to, depending Egyptian on the time period is all Greek to you <laughs> oh. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, so in Egyptian mythology, uh, there's the weighing of the heart ceremony after you die. So what has happened is when you die, your heart is placed on a pe- or pen- not some pendulum the scales, scales, mm-hmm. uh, and it's weighed against mot, which is the feather of justice. Okay, and that's why they always say is your heart weighed against a feather, and you know, uh, and I believe it's Anubis and Osiris who are the gods who preside after it. And what happens is if your heart is too heavy, uh, it's fed to Amit, who is the demon. And the Amit is, they showed a picture of, I didn't know, I didn't really think that Amit was a goddess, but I mean, I could be wrong. Mm. Uh, but they show a picture of Amit and basically has the head of a crocodile and the body of, of a lion and like feathers. And well, stuff. even his scales on the tattoo are crocodiles. Yeah, so like when I first saw the crocodiles, I thought it was going to be Sobek, and I was like, mm, I don't remember what Sobek is the god of, mm. um, but that's okay. I really only know the main pantheon, the, some of the lesser gods I'm not quite familiar with, like Khonshu and Amit, um, but uh, I really I really want to go to the British Museum now. <laughs> mm. Have you never been to the British Museum? I've never been to England. Oh. Road trip. Yes. I want to go so badly. We'll just uh, get to the Atlantic and hit like really fast and we'll skip across, right? There you go. That's how yeah. that works. 
because Brad wants to spend all his time going to like recordy places, and I want to spend an entire day at the British Library. No, I want to go to and the an British entire Museum. day at the British Museum <laughs> to see all the things I, the, the, plundered from the rest. The of only exactly. kind of music thingy I really want to do in in that area, and it's not even London. It's in well, I guess it's in London. I want to go to Abbey Road Studios because yeah, yeah, and because I may have a way to get myself a tour. So. so anyway, back to Moon Knight. Yep. I quite enjoyed it. I'm really interested in seeing what else happened. I want to know who the lady on the phone was, Layla. Um, but yeah, more than anything. And I love, love, love the god in his head calling him the idiot. Oh, the idiot's in control again. <laughs> I love... Truck, stupid, truck! <laughs> I loved what they did in the mirrors. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Bathroom. Such good a like, lot of the shots were of reflections, like in puddles and in mirrors. Well, yeah, and but in, even just like in that sequence in the bathroom, there's times where you look and you can see that because there's mirrors on both sides of the wall, so you get that infinity look, right? Yeah. Where you see all kinds of, uh, well, not, uh, what's his, uh, what's the idiot's name? Steven. Stevens. But then when he's talking to Mark... It's one. There's only yeah. one. It did. There's no more infinities. There's, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. there's infinities. You see the rest of the the, the mirrors like, in the walls, but there's just one person. Again, yeah. it's going to be a, kind of a nice show to watch, like the the making of when it, yeah. all six yeah. episodes are out. And I I really love it when actors uh, play multiple personalities or the same or like a twin or like an idea, and they do it well. And I think that Oscar Isaac's is doing really good at playing Stephen and Mark as distinct people. Yeah, they're definitely different voices. His weird voice as, uh, you know, his British accent is a little weird, but, uh, and then when he goes to be Stephen, he's got like the, no, like, you know, like American accent. Yeah. Mark. Mark is the Mark. Yeah, Mark. Stephen's the... We're going to do this a lot. (laughs) It's only one episode. I've only watched it once. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think? Well, before you start, what's your relationship with Moon Knight up until this point? I had a few Moon Knight comics from back in the day. I knew him when he was in the West West Coast Coast Avengers. A couple of One Night Stands. Yeah. Never a huge Moon Knight fan, and the whole multiple personality thing, I knew about it, but never really came up in those West Coast Avengers comics. Mm. Uh, So, like, I knew the look of the character. I knew about the god Khonshu. In the West Coast Avengers comics, he's like a more like a Batman with, with instead of bat shaped tools, onk shaped tools instead. You know? Yeah, and crescent moon crescent things. Moons, yeah. Uh, so like, didn't he have like a a moon jet? I think. Yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so I want a moon jet. I know a little bit about him. Look, I know the name Mark Spector, and I know the name uh, Stephen. Uh, was Grant was Stephen Grant was his other name right mm-hmm. like I knew these personality names but I'm not a huge fan now this show has especially episode one had a lot of work to do because this is the first Disney plus show that isn't using a character we're already familiar with oh yeah I get it. you're right yep right so, like it's a, it's not a character that's been introduced yeah, in another movie yeah, or Moon Knight in a film anywhere. yeah so they had to do a lot of work in episode one to make us care about him. And I think they really pulled it off mm. um, because they started with Steven, who is like an everyman schlub. Uh, I, you know, 
the fact that Oscar Isaac is playing a schlub, uh, that that's stretching credibility a little bit. But how, like, his posture and stuff oh. sells it. Oh, you yeah, know, he's, sure. he's yeah, made some no, good choices. He did a really good job. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. I loved, I loved how they were, how the episode was really exciting, but also you could probably very economical to make too because they had that amazing chase sequence with gunfights and cars going over cliffs and we didn't see any of it yeah because anytime it happened he blacks he out. out yeah and so i'm like this is a really smart way to make television on a budget yep i thought that was really well done the ice the the, the cupcake van and the, all of a sudden he's driving backwards and all of a sudden he's got a gun in his hand and I just, I just really loved that, and I can imagine how freaked out he is when he wakes up every morning and he doesn't know where he is. Mm. I love that there are some mysteries. I don't know whether it's his mother that he's calling. He leaves messages for his his mother. Must not care about him at all. I don't think his mother exists. I don't know who he's calling. Yeah, who is he calling? Is it his mother? Maybe. See, maybe and, and this is why I'm wondering if Steven exists. Yeah, is Steven... Who is the real personality? Yeah, yeah, see, in the comics, Mark Spector's the real personality. Yeah. And he... I don't remember anything about his mother, but the, there's a kind of like storylines and plot points of his dad's a rabbi. And so, I like, depending on what they do, his dad could still be out there. But yeah, Mark Spector, the mercenary who is shell, shoveled away like money into accounts to fuel millionaire Stephen Grant because Stephen Grant's like a millionaire in the books. And wasn't there a cab driver Yeah, uh, something Jake Lockley. I was like, it's something Lockley, but yeah. Who's kind of like the to to bring up the Batman similarities again. He's the the Matches Malone character for him. And originally they started off as like uh, aliases and like disguises, but they eventually warp into other personalities right. depending on the writer and right. stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I really quite enjoyed it and I think they set up some nice mysteries and um, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. Um, I've heard that I've heard that if any other Marvel property ties into this one, it could be Eternals. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess it's set in the same place. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe... Uh, I mean... I think uh, So, I don't know if you guys... This could be a total spoiler, but the rumor is that Werewolf by Night is going to show up in this? Wouldn't be surprising, because he's got that Halloween special that they've right. announced, right? And there are some Werewolf by Night like Easter eggs or teases in there, the background and yes, things like that. Yes, there is a QR code in the museum... That if you pause your screen and click on the QR code, it takes you to the first issue of Werewolf by Night that Moon Knight appears in. Yeah. And you can read the comic for free. But that leads me to wonder if this will eventually tie in with Blade. Uh, that So that would be one of my guesses. But part of me wonders like because if like they keep bringing up gods and other gods and stuff mm-hmm. is like are that where is that where the eternals come in or like maybe one of the thor people mm. not necessarily thor per se but well that's the thing too right we've got the asgardian pantheon established not really as gods but as like 
aliens kind of thing. Yeah. Beings. But these Egyptian beings were just calling them gods at the moment. We haven't actually seen one yet. Yeah. So. Well, we've seen them, and but we don't a, know what they are. And that is assuming Conchu actually exists in this, and he's not just another voice in his head. There's that, too. Because there, there is that always possibility. Because that, that was played with a lot in the the more recent runs, the Warren Ellis run and the Jeff Lemire run, really play with that idea of, like, maybe Conchu's not there, and you're just coming up with this in your own That's brain kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, I did a little bit of research while you guys were talking. <laughs> Big surprise, Conchu is the Egyptian moon god. Yeah. Big surprise. Also Traveler. Um, he wasn't part of the main uh, pantheon of ancient Egyptian gods. He didn't really rise to prominence until the New Kingdom, which was later in Egyptian uh, history. Um, but uh, apparently he has a big... Uh, the temple complex at Karnak was centered around him. And I think I've been there. But I didn't know Khonshu was the person in it. I was more interested See, in See, you the- could have been a Moon Knight. Huh? You could have been a Moon Knight. All you needed to do was die in front of a statue, and he'd bring you back in your Moon Knight. I don't remember seeing any statues of him, though. <laughs> anyway. Maybe Genrity is a Moon Knight, and we just don't know. Yeah, I could have many heads, many voices Ooh, going on in my head. There, There's the crossover that you, fanfic for you, Jen. Sailor Moon Knight. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else has done it first. I'm not taking credit for it, but... Oh, well, now I'm going to Google that. <laughs> Keep talking. So I'm a big Moon Knight fan. I got on board uh, during the Charlie Houston, uh, David Finch run during the Civil War era of Marvel, and then I went back and bought like the a couple of the essentials of Moon Knight, and I've been buying it in trade or hardcover ever since. The thing I like about it is I I don't really know what's coming too much because they've changed. A bunch of the details because they have done what the MCU has done best is they've distilled the important parts and made it accessible for everybody or at least so far accessible for everybody like Stephen Grant in this obviously not a millionaire like he is working in a gift shop and living in a uh, a it's weird his apartment does not look like it should be in a building. It looks like it should be in the attic of somebody's house because of the floorboards and everything in it. But um, I love how it's filmed. I have, uh, speaking to other Moon Knight super fan, uh, a friend of ours, Nathan, uh, he kind of figures that uh, episode two or three might be episode one, or at least chunks of it, episode one from Mark's point of view. So we may get those big fight scenes after all. Like a but. So, uh, one of the things I really like is that they, Ethan Hawke's character is like established as menace, like right off the bat. Like there, there is no question that this guy is a bit of a bad dude. Why and how is still part of the the question mark. Um, but yeah, for, for, especially for a first episode and like how they end it with like the, the full reveal of the, the Moon Knight costume is a great way to like, oh, I want to see the next episode and see what happens next. Yeah. So I got a little bit of insider baseball on this show, too, Ooh. a little bit. Not not direct, but a, a little bit of uh, and two interesting tidbits. 
So one comes from, I thought about bringing it up in the news pack earlier, but uh, it, it, it sort of fit in with this. So Isaac, As- Isaac Asimov, Oscar Isaacs, is doing the press rounds right now for the show. Of course. And apparently uh, he is technically done with Marvel. Oh. He his contract was for six the these six episodes, and he is saying not like nope I don't have what he referred to as golden handcuffs. Now that doesn't mean that they haven't already re-signed something for a movie right. or something there there along, but it is interesting for the fact that like it makes sense from his point of view because you kind of get the feeling, and again when the book is written it'll be really interesting to read. That after his Star Wars experience, he was not looking for to be handcuffed to anything for like unless he wants to be kind of right. thing. Um, he also serves as a producer on the show, so that helps. And he he was very instrumental in like picking out bits of like the the creative staff with it, and including Ethan Hawke apparently was like his idea or something like that. So that that's kind of interesting. Does that mean like he's even going to make it through the series? Yeah. The other thing um, at Toronto Comic Con, I happened to do a panel with uh, Jed McKay, who is the guy who's writing Moon Knight right now. Okay. So that made for a ninja like because I'm like, so uh, you're writing a comic that like a Marvel show is coming out at the same time. What's that like? <laughs> And like, and he's he's an East Coaster. He's he's Canadian, uh-huh. and he was saying like from his point of view, it has not been a problem whatsoever. Like they obviously have um, certain directions they wanted to go. Like before right. he even got the gig, right. and that was part of his pitching process. But like they they haven't told him like oh you have to do this or you have to do that. It's he's pretty much like it's in line with every other marvel thing that he's doing which is interesting because he's also working on a doctor strange based book right now too so he's like he's like deep into like the mcu attached sort of books at the moment he's writing he's writing strange for them as well Cool. yeah i got one more thing to add so i googled sailor moon night And it's awesome. You should do that. But also, if you're on Instagram, which you should be, uh, True North Nerds at True North Nerds, um, there's a hashtag Sailor Moon Night, and some people have done some fantastic Sailor Moon Night cosplay. Oh, cool! So if you look at the hashtag, I've just posted up a picture that I found that somebody had done in 2014. But there's a lot of really cool Sailor Moon Night stuff, hmm. uh, including like a uh, somebody took the um, Marvel Studios Moon Knight logo and uh, made it Sailor Moon with her crescent moon wand. (laughs) And her colors. Yeah. So anyway, hashtag Sailor Moon Knight on Instagram. There are so many cool things. So overall, first episode, we all liked it. Yep. I guess it's safe to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which brings us to the second thing, uh, which... Comic book review time. That's a cool comic Which could be good or could start fights. Let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, as you may recall from the last episode, we all had comic book picks and we traded them with one another to re-review uh, on this episode. 
So who wants to go first? I'll go first again. Okay. So what book and who did you get? Just to refresh the uh, audience. So I got Jen's pick. So I got to read uh, volume one of Gem and the Holograms <laughs> Showtime, which is like the origin of Gem and the, Hol- and the Holograms. Uh, so, you know, my memories of the cartoon are very, very foggy. Other than the fact that, you know, the whole, yeah, she has the earrings with the holograms and boom, she's Jem. And the misfits and they don't like each other because the misfits are bad and whatever. And that's pretty much what I remembered from the cartoon. That's basically the cartoon. Yeah. yeah that's basically that. Stop toys. Yeah. And like all sets. good. Yes. Like all good cartoons in the early 80s. Um, but this, you know, I, I enjoyed the book. It was a good read. You know, it's not it's not a heavy read. It's a, it's a fun, colorful book. Uh, I really enjoyed the art. So good, clean lines. Like a good, nice, clean art with good coloring. I like that that flat coloring style. Uh, I liked what they did with the when the different bands are performing. Um, yeah, I found it, it was a bit of a struggle sometimes to read the lyrics as you know, the way that they had it, but it had a very distinct look and, and the atmosphere around them uh, was very different between the two different bands and. You know, and uh, there's some interpersonal uh, pers- personal stuff going on between a couple members of the bands, and that was obviously not part of the uh, the old cartoon. And I, I did in them the the male love interest for the main character. I remembered there being a male interest like that who didn't know she was that she was Jem, and he was kind of torn between the two. It made it look like in the cartoon, but here. He like kind of just likes her and thinks Jem's a bit of a diva because she never sticks around and she's never around when the band's getting into trouble or to help the band with anything, and uh, so it's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was a fun little read. Will I continue it? Uh, not anytime soon because I have enough other stuff to read. Uh, would I be interested in reading another volume? Yes, because I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the way it was written. Um, I could see myself reading borrowing jen's books because i probably wouldn't buy them but i would i would borrow them and read more gem in the holograms all right there we go so on the other side jen had ryan's book what did you have to read jen i read uh, ghostbusters the other side uh i've never read a ghostbusters comic before um i really i enjoyed it it was uh, really well done and lots of like deep philosophical type of questions about purgatory and the afterlife and uh, you know, I mean obviously it's Ghostbusters so there is an afterlife because of ghosts but you know like how the afterlife is run and who controls it and uh, I love the idea of in purgatory there's this truce between the demons and the angels but the ghost mob has kind of found the loophole in that truth to run a little racket <laughs> Um, I didn't care for the art as much. Um, I found that, um, uh, Ray and Egon looked way too much alike and it took me sometimes a while to be like, I had to really look at them to say which one's which, because they both kind of, and you don't see a lot of Venkman, but when he pops up, when he's a human and not a ghost he kind of looks the same too so like the three white guys basically look the same <laughs> yeah that's the one thing that's like the first to just jump in here that was the first uh yeah run from idw of ghostbusters 
And uh, yeah, the later uh, after that, they, they I guess I don't know if they changed artists or what, but uh, the style changed. Yeah, but I I really enjoyed the story, and um, yeah, I think I thought it was pretty good. Uh, would I buy it? Probably not, just because I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan. But would I read more? Yeah, I would borrow more from Ryan and read them. <laughs> we'll do a gem and Ghostbusters exchange again in the future. You'll probably like the gem a couple episodes on where uh, Synergy gets a computer virus. Ooh. <laughs> well, then you'll also like it later on when uh, the Ghostbusters have an into a multiversal crossover event with uh, Ghostbusters from every other iteration of Ghostbusters. Oh, I remember you talking about including that. Including the little 8-bit video game Ghostbusters. <laughs> The Ghostbusterverse. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my review. All righty, Kevin. So, I got to read Guy Ritchie's Gameskeeper mm-hmm. that was provided by Brent. Now, this is, um, I won't say it's totally outside my wheelhouse because I have read Greg Rucka's Queen and Country, so I do like a good spy thriller. Mm. Um, this was. It's beautiful to look at. It's really well put together book. It's written by Dan Abnett, right? No, uh, Andy Diggle. Oh, Diggle, Diggle. I was, uh, I knew it was one <laughs> of those guys who done some Marvel stuff. Yep. Anyway, and uh, um, it's the story of a gameskeeper on this estate, and the, uh, there's a, a scientific formula that gets taken by mercenaries, and it's quite bloody and quite violent, and. Um, the man has a past that he's trying to run from. And, uh, you know, as those stories go, it, it's good. Um, I can totally see this being a pitch for a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a nice twist uh, partway through when we when the person who did the betrayal is revealed. I thought that was a nice little twist. And uh, I, I uh, I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like that. the The nice thing about that book too is like that's kind of it. Yeah, it's like it, it, there's not going to be a gameskeeper too. Yeah, well, the, that company is long now defunct, so <laughs> yeah, we ain't getting a gameskeeper too. But uh, yeah, the the art style, like I don't, I when I recommended it, I looked the guy up, and I, it doesn't seem like after Virgin Virgin Comics became Liquid Comics, I think, and after that kind of shuttered. He seems to have fallen off the map. Like it's kind of surprising right. that, like Marvel or DC, DC especially, his style would really fit in like Vertigo style books yeah. or what I guess Black Label now, right? Yeah, but for sure, yeah. No, to- I quite I quite like it, and uh, I don't know if I would go out and and buy more of it. Mm. But as a as a one off reading experience, I quite enjoyed it. Was there more, or was that a one-off in the I, Virgin line? Well, the the book that he's got, I think there was another like small miniseries, and I think it contains all of it in that one book. Okay, um, it's yeah, I think I don't think there was ever anything else. Though most of those Virgin comics, I think, were kind of one and dones, just due to the, I just like they the were big, not big announcements of these famous movie people writing comic books. Yeah, and then it was like fizzle. How fizzle, much fizzle. input did Guy Ritchie really have in this book? I so um, I'm not sure if I brought this up last episode. 
I did for Geek Hard, I wrote a column about Virgin Comics because I just like specifically this line. Right. Because they did have other lines that were like comic, more comic booky, yeah, talent focused. That like, and they had one that was based around like, uh, like the Hindu pantheon and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but so as part of it. I reached out to the one person I knew who actually worked on it, who's Jimmy Palmiotti. He wrote a book called, I think it's called Doc Walloper, um, with uh, Edward Burns, the actor who was at the time, he was like independent film darling, and he had been in Saving Private Ryan and stuff. And what he told me is, in his case, Burns was kind of hands-on. He wasn't scripting the book, but it was his idea. And he was making, like, they would send script, no, like, the script to him. He would do notes on it and stuff. Uh, kind of like working on a movie. He, from what he understood, and he he didn't want to name names, and rightfully so, not the same case for everybody else who was working on it, mm-hmm. uh, working on the different books. Like, um, I think in the case of Garth Ennis's book that was, the John Woo book, John Woo, it was like his idea. And that was kind of it. Um, I'm not sure about this one at all. It's I, my get educated guess was it was probably like a half baked movie idea that he sent to the comic company and Andy Diggle, like fleshed it out a lot more. And Guy Ritchie like stamped it, like approved it. And then probably maybe did notes on it or something like that. You kind of get that, or at least that's the kind of the feeling you get from reading the introduction that he does to it is that like, he definitely didn't write the book. Like that is definitely for sure. But yeah. Which brings me to the, uh, the one that I got, which was Kevin's pick, which was, uh, the Avengers world trust. And I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here, but this reaffirmed. Well, no, that Johns is a DC guy. This reaffirmed. Well, no, for me, this reaffirmed that I don't like his writing. Oh, Um, and it's and not like I shouldn't even say don't like don't particularly care for. And I will never say like he is not a bad writer. It's not that at all but uh, there is not a jeff john's book that i've read that i have gone like cocoa puffs oh, over really? yep well, i'm one of those people like uh i read like a chunk of his green lantern and really? i know like did you read, read you did you read rebirth i read re- i used to have a copy of it okay. i sold it um i've read some of his flash and like and i would never say it's bad it just like for whatever reason, his writing just does not do he anything does for me. Often t- tend to wallow in nostalgia. Yeah, um, I like his run on JSA um, and and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but uh, but I get where you're coming from. If it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. Yeah, and and like again, the story wasn't bad. Just like eh, um, there's aspects of it that I like. I like. His uh, writing for Scott Lang in the book, Ant Man, mm-hmm. I thought that, that was pretty good. Like, like he nailed that. Um, the only other problem is, is I don't remember this like era of Avengers very well because this is this, this right is like, after Busick and Perez. I believe so. Or it's, it's post post uh, 
what was it, when the image guys took over Avengers? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's this weird sort of dark age of Avengers comics. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest, the other thing that took me out is the, the art style in it is not. It, uh, it's Kieran Dwyer does most yeah. of it, I think. Yeah. And he, I, I think, I want to say this is one of the first big Marvel things he was doing at the time, which is like, it, 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 towards the end it gets a little bit better, but there's, I, I don't want to blame him entirely too, because I think some of it is him trying to do in his styles, his style, other people's ideas and style, which sometimes doesn't work. Like, there's a jankiness in Iron Man's armor there that I think it's because of that was the suit that was being used at the time, and it just doesn't... He just couldn't figure out a way to make it work in his right. style. But then a couple of the issues in this uh, arc are drawn by Gary Frank. Yeah, who has gotten much, much better. This is 20-year-old Gary Frank. What I what I found kind of interesting is I, I think it's Rick Remender is also listed in the credits there in the art. Yes. But it doesn't say, is he inking on it? It just says art. Pink yeah. It does 57 it, to 60. I'm not sure what he did. Yeah, because it, it's listed along with Gary Frank, right? No. He or he's with Karen Dreyer. Yeah, I wonder if he was inking it. Either way, like it was interesting to see his name pop up because he's one of those guys who is like, I don't remember him as an artist or an inker or anything at all, but he's gone on to a really good writing career. <laughs> so um, the, the plot itself was pretty decent. Um, I also like Falcon in it. Like uh, like he, he, he gets like really... I think the one thing I'll say for, for it is... John's does a really good job of balancing a very large cast. Yeah. And like, because there's like, even that, even in the story, what's his name? Henry Gyrick is like saying like, you should bring the team down to seven guys. And like, we, you've got too many people on this yeah. team. Uh, Cause there's uh, like at the highest point in this, there's cap, there's yellow jacket, which I didn't remember Hank reverting to Yellow Jacket yeah. at all. Uh, Wasp, Black Panther, Namor, Ant Man, mm-hmm. Thor, kind of. Yep. So that that's seven right there. Still have Warbird, Warbird, She Hulk. <laughs> like, but he does Scarlet a Witch Scarlet Witch and Vision. That's 11. Yep. He does a very good job of balancing it. Like, it never feels like it's Captain America's book, like Captain America and his friends. Right. It feels like an Avengers book. And he did a really good job of that. Um, would I be interested in reading more? Not really. There's only it's, one more volume of his run. Yeah. And then, it, and then Bendis takes over and blows everything I up, right? I believe so. Because I, I want to say, see, that's one of the things that I did find kind of interesting is whether I don't assume it was planned or not, but it was something that Bendis probably picked up on is one of the things that happens in disassembled is Jack of hearts blows up and like, like does damage when he does. And they kind of lay the groundwork for it in this volume. Right. So yeah. Um, overall, like not a bad book. Like if the, if 
I w- didn't have the massive stack of reading stuff that I had right now, I would probably ask to, get, to read the second volume just to get to the the ultimate conclusion of things. But I don't think I'm going to seek it out either. No, I hear you. <laughs> and like I said, not bad, just not to my tastes, I guess. Which brings us to the end of this episode, and hopefully it was your taste. But, uh, yeah, it was a good episode, I think. Well, now we get to things talk about things that are your taste. So before we, we go to uh, how we end the show, uh, we got to give a shout-out to our, uh, our patrons, because we do have a Patreon. It is at patreon.com slash truenorthnerds. If you'd uh, like to help us out and sort of keep the lights on and uh, pay for the the bills of the podcast, feel free to sign up. It's three bucks a month. Um, we are adding some like little content here and there, and as we've been going, I've got another article going up on the site shortly, and uh, I've already got one, and we'll we'll probably utilize it in some different ways. I don't know. If we're ever going to do a Patreon exclusive episodes, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, Jen, who are our patrons so far that we need to give shout outs to? All of them or just the new ones? I'll give them for all of them. There's Yay, not that many. All of them. All right. So starting from uh, uh yeah, I'll start from the bottom. So we want to say a big thank you to our patrons. We have Rex, uh, Gavin, Mike Hammond. Team Woods, who, who before have we also continue, graciously yeah. taken over TrueNorthNerds.com. They, they, yes. thank you, and thank have you. done thank a fantastic much. job. Thank you so much. Uh, and then we have Alex James and Ryan O'Vision. So thank you very much to our patrons. We truly, truly appreciate your support. Um, yeah, thanks so much. And if you if you cannot support us uh, with Patreon, that's perfectly cool. We understand. If you would go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us, that would be good. As long as it's a good review. If you don't <laughs> like us, don't review. Just don't. Let's keep listening. I guess. <laughs> Punish yourself by listening to us. Alrighty. So, end of episode, Geek Picks. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. So I was having a conversation with two of my girlfriends and uh, they mentioned that the second season of Bridgerton has come out and I have not seen anything about Bridgerton. So they said, you should read those books. And I went, all right. So I got them out of the library and I read the first book and it was very, very good. Um, I got the like compilation of all like the first three books in one ebook, but I believe the first book is called The Duke and I and it is a nice romantic fluff read you know i knew the plot from the second page i knew how it was going to end but it's nice to just read those kinds of books every once in a while um it's the writing style i think the author is julie julie or julia quinn and um she's funny i mean the uh the dialogue back and forth is really well written um definitely not for children because <laughs> it is a romance novel um, and I think there's probably, there's at least six books in the series and they're pretty short too. Uh, but I found it very engaging and I really enjoyed it reading it. So now that I've read the first book, I have been told it is okay for me to watch <laughs> season one, which is basically the first book is season one. So I will give that a go. But if you're looking for some, uh, something light and funny and, you know, 
not too something you don't need to think too much about uh yeah give the first book of the bridgerton series a go cool you want to go next sure um so i like comics <laughs> no kidding. Really? But I came to the right place. Don't have space to keep any more comics, and I uh, don't want to spend that much more money on comics. So what did I do? I spent some money on comics. <laughs> on comics, digital <laughs> comics to be precise, and I subscribe to DC Universe Infinite. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's new. That's only recently come to as a, available yeah. in Canada. So it was $65 for the year. For the year? Okay, that's not bad. Isn't too bad. They have 26,000 comics you can read on there, going back to some Golden Age stuff. There's not a ton of Golden Age stuff there. New comics, uh, I think they're about six months behind comic book shops, I believe. That's what I heard. Yep. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so I, being the nerdy list guy that I am, Decided I wanted to start with the Silver Age, so I'm reading everything from the uh, first episode, first issue with Barry Allen, and forward from there. So I'm reading a lot of interesting. Well, interesting is an interesting word. Um, <laughs> that is true <laughs> of their time. Yes, um, I'm. So when you come to a book like Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, you know. You know what you're going to get in every ep- every issue. You're going to get two or three stories of Lois wishing that she were Superman's wife. And when you know the potential of a character like Lois Lane and all you see is her like going full Betty and Veronica over Superman, eh, it's not the greatest. Um, but there are I've read some classics already like the introduction of the Legion. I've uh, been reading a lot of World's Finest stuff. There weren't a lot of team-ups. So this we're talking like the late 50s here. 58 mm. was when The Flash debuted. So not a lot of team-ups, but you know, Batman and Superman had a book where they were together every issue. Uh, and those are all on DC Universe Infinite. Uh, it's interesting what's there and what's not. There's not a ton of Silver Age um, Superman until you get to certain keys, like First Legion, first Supergirl, first yeah. kind of stuff. But uh, I'm having a ball with it, and it's <laughs> fun to read. So so I'm also looking into Marvel Unlimited, because if DC Universe Infinite is this good one, maybe Marvel Unlimited is too. So I want to say the time between issues for Marvel Unlimited is even shorter, though. Yeah, but if he's starting, if like, you're starting in the '50s, I'm pretty sure you'll. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's it's no, like I mean, I mean, in terms of like, I think the 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 modern books, it's like three months. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting to read those from like a historical point of view too. Like you were saying, oh, how yeah. back then in the '50s, Lois Lane was just you know mooning over who she got to marry, and yes. then nowadays the way that she's portrayed is significantly different well she's married to superman yeah Yeah. (laughs) but greg rucka did that run on that lois lane book where she's almost like a spy like yeah yeah oh i I have read some uh jack kirby dc stuff from the 50s oh okay he wrote and drew challengers of the unknown that makes perfect sense which is sort of a proto fantastic Fantastic Four. four yep Without any powers, the team didn't have any powers. Alrighty. Ryan? I watched a movie. One that, like Jen's book, you don't have to think too hard while you watch it. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Unless you want to really think about some weird and interesting stuff. 
Uh, I talked about this movie months ago when it didn't appear in Canadian theaters. But now it's on Amazon Prime. I like how you're waxing poetically about this. And I watched Moonfall. God. (laughs) Where the moon has fallen out of its orbit and is slowly crashing to the earth. And our astronaut... I think maybe for Patreon we should film Ryan's interpretive dance of his review. <laughs> yeah. I, I decided to stand up because I was falling asleep. I was, getting, I was tired after work and I was, I was just, I caught myself uh, losing focus so I needed to stand up. So that's why I'm dancing now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, don't no, So I watched Moonfall and uh, it, it's pretty good. You know, yeah, the moon is falling. So you get the disaster part to it. You get the conspiracy theorists that believe, well, the moon's not really a moon. It's a megastructure made by aliens. And something's happened to the power source inside it. And that's why it's falling now. And because, you know, the moon is too perfect. You know, the moon, the reason we have um, eclipses is because the moon is, uh, the, 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 the size of the moon, the distance from the moon to the sun, and uh, from the moon to the earth and the, the sun is all too mathematically perfect. To be a coincidence, so it has to be fake. If you're interested in that, look up. This sounds Hollow like this movie would make me angry. <laughs> I don't think it would, because that's that's only a little a little bit of it. Oh, okay. Mostly, it's just like, oh my god, the moon's crashing. What are we gonna do? We got to go to the moon and try to do something because there's this this thing, this or you know mechanical cloud that came that attacked that came from the moon and attacked some astronauts. Years ago, but d- dug a hole in the moon, and we got, well, what, and then since it dug a hole in the moon, the moon started crashing, crashing to the earth. So we got, we got to go up there and find out what's going on in this hole. Are they going to sell oil drink, uh, oil drillers? No. no, they actually send an astronaut. Are you sure? Because it's a lot easier to train oil drillers to be astronauts. But they're not than... drilling this time. Oh, the, okay. the hole's already there. <laughs> That's an asteroid, not a moon. Yeah. Oh right, sorry, my mistake. <laughs> moons, moons, you got to send an astronaut <laughs> or a, a night. Or a night. <laughs> There's a whole lunar theme going on. <laughs> it's not really a moon. It's a space station. Uh, it's no moon. But, right. uh, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime now. It's Moonfall. If you're up for one of those silly disaster movies and you just want to eat some popcorn and put your feet up, watch I it. I want to eat popcorn. And it is currently available on Amazon Prime. That's what I just said like three times. Oh, sorry. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I, w- I was watching your hand come close to my face. <laughs> This is close to your face. So, uh, my uh, my (laughs) geek pick is DuckTales. I I believe uh, we've talked about it at uh, kind of nauseum, maybe. It's so good. Um, so Jen and I finally finished it, finally finished it, and it is possibly one of the best series ending episodes. Like, those two episodes that end it are possibly one of the best series episode endings ever but i still want more yeah, yeah. but the, you don't need it like they I don't tie need, everything yeah, up no, it's and, all tied together but i still want more um i i'm not gonna spoil it in case you're listening because it, it's just it's such a joy to get to but that final episode with all the easter eggs they they float into the one that i'll give away is what's the name of the the horse with Manny. Scrooge's pardon Manny 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 so the man horse when Manny gets hit by the beam and gets turned all to stone and then brought back to life 
one, he's voiced by Keith David, who is the voice of Goliath, and then they do the music cue from the oh, the opening oh, of Gargoyles. Oh. I just <laughs> laughed. And, and like that, and like, you know, little nods to the other Disney afternoon Every shows. Disney afternoon show was referenced on there. Yes. And it was just really good and really well written. Like, it's just, for a cartoon like that, it is way better in some ways than it has any right to be. I love the cynical kit cloud kicker. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor kit. <laughs> and the wuzzles. The wuzzles. <laughs> That was such a as deep soon as cut. those popped up, I went, "Hey, those are wuzzles." I had to look and it up Brent because had I to Google it because I didn't remember wuzzles being a Disney property. Oh, but yeah, yep. it was the first, wasn't it? Yeah, like even like I Disney TV. I loved the wuzzles as be. a child, and like even like there there was little things like you know like the gummy berry juice <gasps> and stuff like that yeah. throughout the season. But like as a and doing a show, it's just fantastic. It was so good. And, you know, and like, and they could have, they could have gone different, like, in weird, like, more predictable ways, like, especially with Webby's storyline at the end. But they they went with, like, you know, like, everything works out at the end, which is really kind of cool. I think my favorite character is Della. (laughs) Della Duck. I love how they made Della and Donald so clearly siblings like their personalities are different and distinct but you can see that streak of duck that runs between the two of them especially when they get angry and then when scrooge joins in too it's like oh you see how they're related right there (laughs) launchpad launchpad was like i don't think that version of launchpad needs his own spin-off show he was great but like the episodes where he got like he he got like one or two episodes unto himself and then there was others where he just does backup to where he had the super spy yes he became smart i know but i love how they tied it all into the ending but (laughs) even there's the episode where they're playing golf in that like that like astral plane golf course where he's doing the commentary too and it's just he's the best part of it. him and is it Louie Dewey that he's doing Huey? commentary Huey. with yeah. and it's TV, just fantastic right? I enjoyed his wrestling uh, color the commentary. wrestling episode yep. yep and the fact that even Huey Dewey and Louie I know we talked about this before when we talked about DuckTales but the fact that they gave the three of them such distinct personalities yeah. too and it's honestly, it's one of those shows that like your kids will really enjoy it, but you will not get tired of watching it yourself as an adult. I'm probably going to start it over again from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a DuckTales rewatch podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll call Maybe. it Woo. <laughs> call it Woo. How do you spell that out, though? Just Woo. <laughs> like... W O O dash O O O O exclamation point. <laughs> throw an H in there somewhere for the woo. Is there is there a woo hoo or a woo hoo? I, I always thought it was just woo hoo. Oh, turn on the subtitles. Yeah, that'll give it to you. We are all going off that tangent cliff. Yep. So that's the end of this episode. Tune in two weeks where we'll probably talk a little bit more about Moon Knight because another couple of episodes will pass and maybe some Halo and maybe some Halo and some geez. I will not be around in two weeks because I will still be away because I'm going to Star Trek Mission Las, Mission Las Vegas now Star Trek Mission Chicago if I Woo! Want to see 
Vegas, because that would be wrong. Because the convention I'm going to is in Chicago next yes, weekend. Yes, definitely go to the right Kevin state. in Chicago. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, but what about Star Trek Las Vegas? I'm like, oh no, that closed like a decade ago. No, Star Trek Las Vegas is still going. No, like the that theme oh, the thing Las that they, oh, the, it, the, it yeah, was yes, experience the or whatever it was called. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had gotten to that. But uh, but anyway, so yeah. So okay, but we'll figure something out, I'm oh. sure. So uh, if you uh, like the show, like we said, Patreon.com/slash/TrueNorthNerds, or go to TrueNorthNerds.com, and that will take you to various places. Thanks, Trent. And Thank uh, you. until next time, uh, stay happy and healthy, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye. Set your phasers to sexy. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at TrueNorthNerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TrueNorthNerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>